Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and close to us, sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Buka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. Welcome to episode 61 of Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. We are coming to you, as always, from the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network Studios right here in Dublin. It's great to be back here once again. Um, as we are into the 60s of this podcast, if you are a brand new listener, you are very welcome along. This episode is actually one you can listen to out of context, if you so choose and just quite liked the name. But, uh, of course, we would recommend that you head back to the start of the Ulster Cycle or maybe even the start of the podcast to see what we've been building up to over the last year and a bit. And if you are a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support. I hope you're still enjoying listening to this podcast as much as I am recording it and writing it and releasing it every single week. Uh, If you really are enjoying it, then please do continue to subscribe on whatever app you get your podcasts at. Leave ratings, reviews, all of that stuff does really build up and help uh, follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bard, all one word. Uh, it's the best place to find out about more about me and about more about this podcast and the live shows that we have coming up. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can do at patreon.com forward slash Fireside Podcast. If you want to give a little or a lot or none at all, that is also fine. It is an egalitarian model of kindness uh, if you want to if you feel like I'm the kind of person you might like to buy a pint for to pay a patent, to pay back for the content that we release on this podcast, but that is totally up to yourselves. Uh, it's not going to affect my output or uh, decrease the output of this podcast. We are still in the Ulster cycle of Irish mythology. This is the first story from the Ulster cycle, not. Um, in the Tawn or a post-Tawn story from the Ulster Cycle. It is, it's quite a standalone story and it's it's a story that probably, there's a bit of this in Irish mythology where its title is probably way more famous than the actual content of the story. Um, mostly because this story is a very famous song by the Irish folk punk band uh, The Pogues, one of the great, uh, great Celtic rock bands of all time. And Shane McGowan, one of the, one of the greatest poets of the last 50 years. 
And this is the opening track. Uh, the, the title of this story is the title of the opening track from their incredible, it's it's one of those perfect albums. Uh, it's called Rum, Sodomy and The Lash. It is the real iconic Pogues album and it's one of those track for track, absolutely just perfect albums. And if you haven't listened to it before and you like this podcast, that is... That is one of the great albums you can listen to and has a huge amount of folk-inspired music and just gave it a real uh, kick up the arse. Like it gave uh, what at that point was kind of stagnating for Irish folk music and just really like just blasted sparks of fire into it that Shane McGowan and the rest of the Pogues did. And there's no better album uh, to look for than Rum, Sodomy and The Lash than that. But that is almost like a totally side tangent to the story itself because this story is called The Sick Bed of Cucullin, which is the title of that title track. But this is the story itself. And this was a story that I knew from that title, mostly because of that song. Uh, but now that I've... Uh, adapted it I found another real real gem of Irish mythology and I'm going to get right down to it and we'll chat a bit more about the story afterwards but this is The Sickbed of Cucullin on Fireside The Sickbed of Cucullin it was Samhain, what we now call Halloween, when the mortal and other worlds are closest. The heroes of Ulster had gathered at Eamon Macha to tell their great deeds of the year, what riches they had amassed, what warriors they had slain. And they could only tell true tales, because if they lied on Samhain, when the other world was accessible, their own swords would cry out against them. Cucullin was playing Fikael with his former teacher, the poet Shanka. They were playing their game by the lake close to Eamon Macha, the court of King Kunkabar Macnassa, awaiting the arrival of the remaining Red Branch knights, so that the festivities and storytelling may begin. But as they were approaching a stalemate, a great flock of beautiful white birds flew overhead and landed by the lake. The women who gathered there became enthralled with the avian beauties. They decided that the next big trend was to have a white bird perched on each shoulder and demanded that their husbands go to the lake and catch them two birds each. But not a red branch knight could catch a single bird. Then Emer, the wife of Cucullin, said, My husband Cucullin will catch those birds with ease. All I have to do is ask. And ask Emer did. And upon her word, Cucullin stood, went to the lake, took his sword, cast it into the air, and knocked every single bird out of the sky, stunning all but not killing one. Bird by bird they landed on the ground, the shore, or in the lake. And Cucullin had his charioteer leg prepare his vehicle, and they rode around the lake collecting Cucullin's game. The Hound of Ulster then gave two birds each to every woman in the province. But at the end of his journey, he realized that there were no birds left 
for his own wife, Emer. Cucullin was mortified, but Emer did not mind. My love, it was I who asked you to knock those birds out of the sky, which you did in one stroke. You have once again proven your worth to me. It would not be right to take two birds at random away from one of the women of Ulster. I can happily go without. But Cucullin refused to accept this. Your grace never ceases to astonish me, McGraw. This is why I will not rest until you have two of the most radiant and stunning birds Ulster has ever seen resting on your perfect shoulders. Cucullin returned to the lake and did not have to wait long before seeing two flying creatures unlike anything he had seen before. They seemed to omit an aura. There was a hue surrounding them that made it hard to make them out clearly, but what was clear was that these were the unique birds Cucullin sought. And he did not question the coincidence or swift appearance of what he saw. He prepared his sling for the shot. However, Shanka the poet was suspicious, so Cucullin didn't have to be. Cucullin, there is a red chain linking those birds together. At a sound, they are from the other world. Do not strike them down, it'll bring you no good fortune. But once Cucullin had made his decision, there was little that could change his mind, especially where Emer was concerned. So he took his sling, aimed it at one of the birds, fired, and to his utter dismay, missed. Cucullin never missed. He was totally thrown by this, and prepared another slingshot. Then Emer came up to her husband and said, those two birds are not from our world, Cucullin. You are not meant to strike them down. Don't do this. But Cucullin's pride had now been brought into the equation, and he could not be deterred. He fired the second shot, and once again missed both birds. Then the Hound of Ulster began to go into a rage. He didn't care about stunning these beasts anymore. He needed to take them down. Cucullin took out his spear, and once again, against the protests of both Emer and Shanka, he launched his spear at the otherworldly targets. The spear managed to clip the wings of one of the birds, but failed to take them down. They then disappeared from sight, and Cucullin had to accept defeat. Cucullin refused to return to Emer's bed that night, utterly ashamed as he was at his failure. So he slept there outside by that lake, and that night he descended into a fever dream. Cucullin dreamed of two women who approached him. One smiled at him, the other cried. The smiling woman took out a horse's whip and began to strike Cucullin. Then the crying woman began to smile too, and the two visions took turns whipping and beating the Hound of Ulster into submission until he was a bruised and bloody mess. Satisfied, the two women left him there, and when Cucullin awoke, he realised his dream was a reality. He couldn't move. It was agony to breathe. The pain made him lose consciousness, and Cucullin descended into a coma for one whole year. Day and night, 
Emer sat by her husband's bedside, praying for him to rise from his illness, but he never did. And after a year, Emer could hold her silence no longer. She went to the court of King Kunkabar Magnassa and berated the king. Cucullin is the hound of Ulster. No one has fought for and honoured Ulster more, and yet you all sit here while he lies in his sickbed. If any one of you were ill, Cucullin would not sleep until a cure were found, but none of you have lost a night's sleep while he has been laid low for a whole year. You should all be ashamed. Unfortunately for Emer, it was peacetime, so there was no great need for Cucullin, and King Kunkabar didn't know what more he could do than send Emer away with his thoughts and prayers. So Cucullin's love returned to his bedside and cried and keened and made this lament. Please rise, McGraw, even for a moment. Tell me what ails you. Let me know so I can heal you. And Emer's call was answered. As in a hot sweat, Cucullin suddenly awoke from his year's slumber long enough to tell Emer of what he had dreamed, of the women who had beaten him within an inch of his life. Emer went straight to Cothbad the Druid, who said that Cucullin must have been cursed by women of the other world, and that he must return to that same dream state as before to find out what he must do to be healed. It had been an entire year to the night, and the night was once again Samhain, so Cucullin's weak body was carried back to that same point by the lake, and there Cucullin once again entered his dream state. This time, Cucullin only dreamed of one woman. It was the first one who had smiled at him, the first one who had struck him. He cowered when he saw her again, fearing another beating, but instead the woman introduced herself. Welcome back, Hound of Ulster. Do not fear. You have already felt our retribution. There is no need for me to deal it out again. My name is Liban and I am of the Tour de Danon. The other woman who beat you was named Fond, and she was wife to Manonin MacLear, god of the sea. Fond fell in love with you, Cucullin, from our world, and when Manonin found out he was furious and deserted her. So together, her and I decided to travel to the mortal world, on Samhain, so that the two of you could meet. But when we came through, you attacked us. We had to make an example out of you, and clearly we have, as you have laid incapacitated for an entire year. Now, I offer you a chance to be healed. Cucullin let all this process in his mind. What must I do? And Liban said, My husband, Lowry, the swift, sword-wielder is involved in a battle he cannot possibly win, for rule of the domain of the Plain of Light. But with the aid of the Hound of Ulster he may stand a chance. Fight alongside him, and I will return your strength to you, and if you win, you may marry fond, and know true love at last. Cucullin understandably did not trust Liban, 
so he asked his faithful charioteer Laig to travel with her first to investigate. Laig went with Liban to her home on the Plain of Light before returning to Cúcullan. It's all as she said, Cúcullan. There are two armies gathered, awaiting a champion, and the fairy woman Fond is as beautiful as any I've seen. Cúcullan still did not want to accept Liban's deal, but Laig then went to Emer, who berated Cúcullan for once again letting his pride best his better judgment. I have sat by your bed for a whole year, Cúcullan. I demand you get better. So Cúcullan accepted the deal, and Liban returned his strength to him, and he travelled to the Plain of Light. Two ravens led his way across time and space. Cúcullan had never seen such a terrain as the Plain of Light. It seemed gravity played by different rules as islands hung in the air all around him. But a battlefield was a battlefield, and an army was an army, and Cúcullan faced off against 32 champions in single combat before defeating the rival king of Lowry the Swift Sword Wielder. Cúcullan had secured the rule of the Plain of Light for Lowry and Liban. After the battle was won, Cúcullan finally met with Fand, the fairy woman who had fallen in love with him from afar. He was immediately struck by her beauty, and after the incendiary adrenaline still coursing through his veins after the battle, he went to Fan's bed and slept with her. The next night, the two were married, and Cúcullin spent a month in the plain of light, in the blissful paradise of his otherworldly love. The two lovers decided after their month together they would meet by a yew tree on Balia Strand before departing for a new world together, a fresh start for them both. But the one who wasn't having any of this was Emer. She was outraged and devastated to learn of Cucullan's betrayal of her, and she refused to accept it. He has been further bewitched. He would not do this to me. I will hunt this fond down. And Emer gathered a troop of fifty warrior women and arming themselves with sharp knives headed for the yew tree on Balia's strand to intercede Cucullan and Fond's elopement. Fond and Cucullan were already at the yew tree when Emer's army approached. Even though Fond was of the other world, she was terrified of Emer and the fire in her eyes. Cúcullan went up to his first wife and tried to restrain her. Emer, don't. She is under my protection. If you strike Fond down, I will have to fight you, and I will not shed the blood of my beloved today. I waited for you when you went off to train with Skatok the Shadow. I supported you in battle, and I sat by your sickbed for an entire year. I never questioned you, and my faith never faltered. But I will not stand this betrayal. I was not like other women. You pursued me. I was your equal, and this is how you treat me. When Cucullan could see what he had done, he broke down on his knees and begged for Emer's forgiveness. Forgive me, McGraw. I will never leave you again and will spend the rest of my days trying to make up this treachery to you. 
Hemer held her husband and kissed him, as Fond looked on, devastated. She had been deserted for a second time, but at that yew tree on Balia Strand then appeared her husband, Mananin MacLear. He asked Fond to forgive him for abandoning her, and if she was cured of her love for Cúchulain. Fond told him she would always love Cúchulain, but he had another love, and so did she, so it was best for them all that Cúchulain stayed with Emer and Fond with Manonin. She asked her husband to cast a spell to ensure that she and Cúchulain would never see each other ever again. And when it was done, Fand and Manon and MacLear returned to the other world. But it was not quite so simple for Cúchulain and Emer. Emer could not so easily forgive this unbearable betrayal, and Cúchulain had to admit that he was devastated to lose Fand. He did not love her more than Emer, but completely equally. This rift echoed across all of Ulster, and there was no harmony in the province while there was disharmony in the bed of Cúchulain. So the druids of Ulster brewed an agent for the couple so that Cúchulain would forget Fond and Emer would forget his betrayal. And Cúchulain and Emer returned to the state of true love they'd been in since the day they met, and they were never separated again. To be continued. And that's the story of the sickbed of Cucullan on Fireside. I absolutely love this story. I'm going to try and articulate exactly why. I love, I always love when a story stands on its own two feet, especially one of the myths. And to be fair, I suppose by the very nature of storytelling, love stories seem to really do that. Uh, Great love stories just really stand out, I suppose, because they're fought over something quite simple and very easy to understand, but obviously endlessly complex as well. That's why a good, you know, a love story doesn't necessarily mean it has to be romantic or sentimental because Lord knows this departs from something like that. Um, So it has its unique uh, standalone. This story, you don't even really need to know anything about Cúchulain to really understand this story. Although, of course, if you've been following the Ulster Cycle and that you've experienced him having met Emer and all that he's fought up to this point, it does all provide greater context. So you have the fact that it stands on its own two feet. Then you have the fact that it's completely and utterly unique from a story point of view. There are elements that may remind people from other episodes and stories on this podcast, but there's no one quite like this. I mean, take the wooing of Etain, where you have the river god Midir going off with going off with the young and beautiful princess Etain and his wife Fumach trying to curse their love and transforming Atain into a butterfly and sending her across time and space and her becoming a mortal woman and forgetting all about Midir and about Midir's pursuit of her and trying to get her to remember and win her love back. That is all about 
that is about a man leaving his wife for a new love but that is about the pursuit of that new love whereas this is about the original lover fighting to get her man back you know we have met Emer before but she's not at all a part of the thorn we just meet her in her original form where she is this sought after Leinster woman who Cucullin everyone's trying to get married Cucullin married off so that he won't run off with their women and the only woman in Ireland who he wants is Emer and she makes all these demands of him, says he must go off and prove himself as a warrior, which he does, comes back, devotes himself to her, and they are supposed to be great loves of each other. But this is this is the most we've seen Emer as a character and of her sitting by her husband's sickbed and her being such an active part of this, like right from the beginning with these with this incredible image of these birds and this desire of the women of Ulster to have a bird sitting on each shoulder. I love that so much. Right from the off, we have this incredibly unique image that's this gateway into this story. And this results in Cullen wanting to her Emer to have better birds than anyone else, which leads him to strike these these two enchanted birds. And we have Cullen's devotion to Emer like overrided by his constant pride. It initially starts out as about Cucullin wanting to prove his devotion to his wife, but then it becomes a bit more than that. It becomes about Cucullin as it always constantly does. He is devoted to his wife, but Cucullin at the end of it is fighting for Cucullin and he has this huge, huge, huge amount expected of him constantly as this great, great warrior of Ulster. And so that is, of course, always going to get into his mind more than anything. He has to be the best. He cannot be defeated by anything. And that blinds him when it comes to pride. And he is warned by everyone, don't attack these birds there from the other world. This isn't going to go down well, but he does anyway. It causes him to enter this fever dream state where he's attacked by these women. And this just, it's the closest to almost like a David Lynch kind of myth. <laughs> and you have a real beautiful dream state. And I love this idea of this plane of light. I'm just picturing something almost like from Dune, if anyone is familiar with the Dune novels, which Denis Villeneuve is actually now adapted for the screen. Um, if you've ever seen the brilliant documentary Jodorowsky's Dune about the, I think he's Mexican filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky who wanted to adapt these Dune novels and it was basically considered the movie that was too awesome to exist. But if you've seen that documentary and you see the visuals that he was planning for this adaptation, that's really what I picture in this plane of light and it's such a lovely new way of viewing the other world as this kind of fever dream state, this very Lynchian kind of image. And incidentally, David Lynch did make the film adaptation of Dune in the end in the 80s, which I haven't seen because it's apparently terrible by everyone's admission. And Denis Villeneuve's new adaptation is supposed to retcon this and bring Dune to the screen properly, finally. But uh, that's what I just love. I love the image of 
Ku Colin entering this dream state and him sinking into this sickbed for a whole year and of Emer sitting by his side. And yeah, all of the rest of Ulster just doing nothing because, again, yeah, this story stands out of context to the tawn and I kind of... I intentionally, you know, this story could have taken place either before or after the tawn and I wanted to leave that intentionally vague because it does affect it one way or the other, but I wanted to leave that up to your mind. I, like, if you want to picture this as an earlier story before Kukulin enters the Thon, or if you want to consider this in context with everything that's happened before, I wanted that to leave that up to you more so than me prescribing that. But we have Kukulin going off and him falling in love with this fairy woman and Emer just not accepting that and her coming, and her coming armed with these 50 warrior women, and they're armed with knives, and she's going to take out this fan because she said, no, he's bewitched, I'm not losing him. And she doesn't, she shouldn't lose him, not after all she's fought for. She's After she's sat by his bedside every night, if she's the one who's demanded that he get better, he's not going to lose her now. And he, she does convince him, she convinces him to stay, and they go back to the world together, but of course, neither can forget about what's happened. How could she possibly forgive this this utter, utter betrayal of him that he was so prepared to just run away on her? And also, he has to admit that he did fall in love with this other person and that he has betrayed her and that he I can't, neither of them can go back because how can you possibly go back? And then we just have it being retconned that the druids of Ulster that while, because neither of them are gonna, ever going to leave each other because they've re- recommitted to each other, but if they're not going to live in happiness, the, I love those reverberations across Ulster that no Ulster can be at happy while Cúchulain and Emer aren't happy. And so they choose to eternal sunshine and the spotless mind each other and just forget, forget the betrayal so that they can live in peace. And... You wouldn't have thought that myths would raise such kind of ethical and moral questions when it comes to something like this. As in, like, would you, if you could just forget, if you found out about an infidelity or if you found out that you had been wronged in a relationship, would you want to, if you could, just forget or would you have to live with it? It's not, these aren't questions I thought I'd be uh, thinking about uh, from something so simple as as an old folktale or a myth but there we have there we have that in the sickbed of Kukulin and I love it love it love it so much for this this will be one I'll be thinking about for a while now and this is going up there in the the rankings of my favorite favorite stories of all um, and I hope you enjoyed it too and let me know if you had any thoughts yourself on it because I'm going to wrap up things there for today. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to this podcast. Or if you're a new listener, I hope you enjoyed your first one. Go back to the beginning. Listen to them all. Let me know what you think. Contact me at Fireside Bard on Instagram if you want to get in touch with me. Always the best way to get in touch. Or if you really want to support a podcast, um, f- f- patreon.com forward slash Fireside Podcast. Thank you so much to our patrons. Um, for getting the Patreon going and uh, breathing a bit of life into it again. I look forward to next week now. We're going to head back to another folktale, getting back into the traditional rhythm of the podcast again when we come back for episode 62 
I'm going to see you all next time. You'll hear me next time by the fireside. Thank you and goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.